Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I am your host, Harrison Barron, and thank you so much for joining me today. So, there are some interesting things about this podcast. One, went on site with Vincenzo, totally forgot the mixer, which was the most important part, but made it work, and the audio quality actually came out very good. Um, Not as good as they normally are, but also very good. And I'm actually super happy it happened because I'm learning from my mistake. Uh, Not because I forgot it, but editing and learning different things and techniques to bring you guys better audio quality. So, that's number one. Number two, welcome. I love you all. If you haven't already, please subscribe. I genuinely appreciate it. It means quite a bit to me um, having you guys subscribe and being consistently uh, viewing and listening to the episodes. They are coming out much more regularly now on a weekly basis. And uh, my goal is to just constantly bring you guys better and better guests. And uh, not even better and better guests, better and better conversations. Um, As I grow as an individual, I like to think that my conversations are getting much more in-depth than what they used to be uh, back when I was a younger lad, um, meaning when I first started the podcast. But I think it's come along quite a ways, and uh, I'm unbelievably proud of where I've gotten it to today. With that all being said, BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. It's still being rebuilt. I know I've been talking about it for a long time, but it's still there. Um, The company that I'm working on, Baron Media Group, is taking off tremendously, so I'm extremely fortunate in that regard, and I've been spending quite a a large amount of time working on that, and uh, I wanted to start start focusing heavily on um, getting back to the podcast, kind of like the roots of where it all started, and kind of gave me that little entrepreneurial itch to to start it all. So... uh, yeah, thanks for, uh, if you guys haven't already, thanks for tuning in. Tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Uh, my guest today is my friend Vincenzo, and I, I, I don't want to mess up his last name, so I'm not going to say it, but Vincenzo is just a genuinely awesome dude. He has the coolest company ever. He's going to tell you all about it. It has to do with wine. Um, I learned quite a bit about wine, and we drank a delicious bottle of three-year-old Zinfandel. Uh, Zinfandel is a red wine, not white Zinfandel, which is which is a rosé. But uh, just a great time with him. And uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this podcast because I had an absolute blast. Just a super, super cool dude. And uh, yeah, I love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. So without any further ado, please welcome my friend Vincenzo. facility here. This is quite interesting. It's where I spend a lot of time. <laughs> I, I, I could get used to that, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Well, let's see. 90 degrees outside, 68 degrees in here. Summertime. Great. So, <laughs> this is where I like to spend my time. Now, is it warm in the winter? Uh, no. So, so we, we always keep it cold. So, in fact, in the wintertime, this is a terrible place to be, because in the wintertime, I don't even turn the heat on. Oh, the man. Wine, the wine doesn't mind being very cold. It just doesn't want to be warm. Especially I got when it's aging, What's right? like the optimal temperature for Optimal wine? temperature is going to be in the 60s, high 60s. Is that why they do caves? That's why they build down, because the cost of uh, heat, uh, cooling large warehouses yeah. is very expensive. So actually, my, my energy bill during the summer is something ugly to look at. Oh, I can only but, imagine. I <laughs> yeah. can only imagine. Yeah, but during the winter, I don't have an energy bill because I don't have to turn anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I come in here with my, uh, you know, with my overcoat, yeah. and uh, I'm in, sitting in 50 degrees. It's cold. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of the cold. I don't even mind the heat. It's the heat and the humidity. That's the worst part of it. It's okay. Right. My wife always says, let's retire to Arizona. It's a dry heat. Yeah. I'm not so much on board with little, that. It's still a little hot. <laughs> 110 degrees. I've been seeing even worse. Uh, you know, I'm not so uh, not so into that. But, um, yeah, the humidity just kills it. Yeah. And so keeping the air on, uh-huh. the ACB yeah. on, draws humidity out of the air. It's obviously very cool in here. So this is a great environment for, uh, for wine. Now, uh, wine barrels, there is, a, there is a, a science to the amount of humidity in the air, too, when it comes really? to... The evaporation of wine in barrels. Okay. That's a that's a whole thing we can get into talking about. You Go know, for it. How, Fire it away, man. I, I know a very little bit about wine. I know that there's a handful of regions in the world that are right. like exceptional for growing wine. I've been a bartender for six, seven years. I know a handful of different... I know a couple differences between reds and whites. That's about it. A lot of difference between reds and whites. And a Color. lot of difference... Color is big. Color, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, the obvious just to, just to start, uh, the winemaking <laughs> technique, big difference. I mean, those are the kinds of those are the kinds of conversations I like to have with people, as opposed to uh, the optimal humidity levels in a cave. You fair know, enough. Like, fair enough. Uh, that starts getting really scientific, and and we don't run that kind of a of a place here. I mean, uh, I want to make people feel comfortable in their winemaking decisions. Yeah. So I want to talk to them from a standpoint of, you know, most people have a fear of looking at a wine list. In, in a group, yeah. of, in, a, in a group of other friends, because they don't know what what they don't even know what they like. That's, that's, that's the craziest problem. thing. They want to order wine, they don't even know what they like. Yeah, so that's a problem. Because listen, the, the wine world is a scary thing. It's millions of bottles um, uh, permutated by uh, thousands of years of vintages. Like yeah. you can never do enough homework to know what you want. So what I try to do here is arm people with their own personal knowledge of what it is that they like. Yeah. Let's find out first. Do you like sweet or do you like dry wine? Great. Do you like white wine? Do you like red wine? Great. Do you like really dark and heavy? Do you like really light and, and fruity? Like, mm-hmm. So uh, you know, are you more likely to drink wine with a cigar or are you more likely to drink wine with your bowl of pasta? So, yeah. I mean, and those are going to bring out different kinds of bottles of wine. So yeah. we try to arm people with the information to, to make the right decision in those in those instances. I gotcha. You know what I mean? Very interesting. How many how many bottles of wine do you think you've produced here since Oh my god, since we started so I started in two thousand ten. Uh, we started in two thousand ten. Every barrel of wine holds about two hundred and fifty bottles. Um, we're doing about twenty no, we're doing about thirty five thousand uh, bottles a year right now. Uh, I, I've you know, I'm probably close to the close to the million mark, maybe 900,000 bottles, something like that. That's very small. That's not big. I mean, that's nothing. I'm proud of it. But yeah. you know, uh, another winery on the West Coast might look at me and be like, Shh, "I do that in a week." I know. You know? I know, I know. <laughs> and that's a whole other story. But that's what has allowed me to become uh, sought out by certain people because those wineries that are making a million bottles a week. Yeah. What are they really pumping out? I mean, they're pumping out some really bland, run-of-the-mill juice. Yeah. Because they need to satisfy many, many, many palates. Whereas I could tell you, I make wine by the barrel. Single barrel production. Uh-huh. But I have over 150 barrels like that. So I yeah. can say to you, do you like light? I have something really light and robust to you. Do you like dark? I have something. So I can um, satisfy many different palates, uh, but I don't have any one thing that I make. Do you guys do white here? Well, I actually don't make white wine. No white yeah, wine, just yeah. reds. And, yeah, just reds because, uh, if I'm being honest, in the small batch way that we make wine, uh-huh. white wine's kind of a pain in the ass. Really? It's very finicky. 
uh, yeah. grape to deal with. It's a very finicky juice to deal with. Yeah. And it's a difficult juice to clear, to make clear looking, so that it can make a visually appealing bottle of wine. See, what people don't know about, and I, I don't want to get too far into it because not everybody, not everybody wants to know how the hot dogs are made. Um, you know what I mean? So there are things that are put in people's wine, in yeah. the wine that we drink every day, yeah. to clarify that wine. Uh, just an example uh, that I learned about when I started in the winemaking business was, really, you put that in wine? Crust, uh, gel made out of, uh, out of shells of crustaceans. So the shells of lobsters and, and crabs yeah. are turned into a gel, a gelatin, oh that is goodness. then introduced into the wine. That gelatin is, um, floats down to the bottom, and on its way down to the bottom, it connects itself to all these particles that are floating in your wine, and that's how they clarify wine. Now, doesn't that just blow your mind? Like, why, yeah. did, why did, A, who came up with that idea? And B, do we, is there not another way? Um, so, and there are other ways, but, and, and, and granted, that's a, uh, a sure way of getting the job done. Yeah. You gotta remember, when you're producing a million bottles a week and you need to get a price point of $6 a bottle, I'm just not in that game. And yeah. So that's why I, I I don't get into the white wine. I like white wine. I'm not a white wine hater. There's a there's a time and a place for white wine. Yeah. If I was outdoors today, I'd be drinking white wine. Uh -huh. um, but if I'm uh, putting my business owner hat on and thinking about you know what uh, what bottles of wine are people paying top dollar for and that I can create the best margin for my business for, yeah. red wine is where it's at. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I've definitely I def I do know that white wine is definitely a bit of a more pain in the ass. At least that I've heard. And uh, the one thing I love about the red wines, though, is you could just age them. You could just age and age and age and age. And now, is there any evaporation that happens in red wines? Not in the bottles. If properly stored. If stored improperly, yeah, you're going to get some some loss in the bottle. Like, there are bottles from even 19... The, even the casks? Uh, especially the barrels, yeah. Uh, the barrels, the longer you store the wine in the barrels, the wood starts to soak wine up. And so that lowers the level of the wine inside the barrel. So the wood actually steals wine from the barrel. Mm. And then evaporation sets in. And because we do live in a dry climate, yeah. as a, you know, yeah. uh, in comparison to, to better wine storing areas... So yeah, we lose some wine to evaporation because of those things. So red wine is a beautiful thing in that respect, though. You said aging, ageability. You know, that's one uh, an old um, uh, proverb, not a proverb, uh, uh, an old adage, I guess, is you drink white wine young and you drink red wine old. So you store your red wine to let uh, it age to get better because yeah, yeah. red wine was made with the grape skins in contact and it needs time for the... The, um, the grape skins are in the barrels. The tannins, no, the grape skins were in, were mixed in with the wine while it turned into alcohol, while it fermented. Oh wow! Which the fermenting is like a is like a marriage between those two yeah, things. Yeah, explain and the so, process. And so the grape skins, I will. And so the yeah, grape yeah. skins play a really big part in the red wine, and mm -hmm. that's why red wines go for more top dollar and go for the bigger flavors is because of that. White wines, however. Uh, the grape skins are removed from a process right away. Yeah. And white wines are a process where the juice is fermented. Uh, that sugar is fermented into alcohol without the grape skins in contact. And so mm -hmm. you don't get any tannins and things like that that need to chill out over time. So you drink that young. Mm -hmm. You also drink white wine cold. Um, the reason why we drink white wine cold is because if you drank it warm, you might be put off by it. It's, it has a very pungent kind of flavor to it. So we mm -hmm. cool it up. To, In fact, a lot of people cool up their red wines because it's just too powerful for them and they want it, mm -hmm. they want it to 
to chill out a little bit. And so that's a way to make wine more approachable for yourself. If you find that you have a lot of wine of a kind that is just too powerful for you, uh, a trick you can do is to put it in the fridge uh, for a little while, cool it up a little bit, and then it will, it'll be more approachable. Gotcha. Um, so from a perspective of talking about the winemaking process and talking about how we do it here, um, we allow our customers to come in, actually, if you didn't know, and make wine here. So yeah. I don't just make wine for all these people and, and uh, you know, they, they don't pay me to make, make them wine and then they just come one day and load up their car and leave. They actually uh, pay to come and, and have an experience for me to organize an experience for them that they may have learned doing when they were growing up when they were kids. Um, and if they did, you know, they want that back. And if they didn't, they always wanted it. But it's a, it's a tradition that I grew up doing. And there's just a lot of logistics and cleaning and prep work that goes into creating a winemaking experience. I mean, you're dealing with fresh produce, which is a perishable item. You're dealing with equipment that needs to be insanely cleaned and maintained. Um, the facility needs to, be, to remain cleaned. And uh, so all those things make it very difficult for the typical person to do this at home. Yeah. And so what we provide is a facility for people to get that outlet to whether it be a tradition thing or it be a... You know, I just drink that much wine in a year thing and I need a lot of wine. Like whatever the uh, result is, you know, we'll, we'll provide it for them. I don't, I don't I drink. care personally if you're doing this for tradition or if you're doing this because, you know, you have the kind of household where all your kids are in their 20s and cases of wine just disappear. That's your problem. Come and buy wine for me because I'm happy to make that kind of wine for you. But some people do it for a tradition. And that was the impetus for the business was, um, you know, allowing... Uh, multiple generations of a family to make wine together the way I did unfortunately mm -hmm. my grandfather wasn't around but my father and my uncles I made wine with them when I was like 8-9 years old oh you know? so you've been doing it for oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely and I'm not a classically trained winemaker I didn't go to UC Davis in California I don't, I don't uh, I'm not a chemist you know, I don't know I'm a winemaker who's learned through trial and error what's the right things to do and what's the wrong things to do I got you. I've um, uh, been able to nail down a recipe that works for many different varietals and blends of wine and when you say increases recipe, my outcome what the, goes into the, the, recipe? the recipe is the way I make the wine so um, and because I allow thousands of people to come and make wine with me on a seasonal basis, mm -hmm. I also, my recipe, I'm doing air quotes, has to um, account for how do I schedule that many people to come in and, and you know, uh, care about their experience. So my uh, wine making technique revolves around how do I allow the most amount of people to enjoy it with me at the same time. So to make an example of that, um, I could if I wanted to allow my uh, wine must, you know, the grape skins and the juice and the pulp of the wine, I could allow that to ferment for weeks and even a month long. Um, but that, but does that work for my customer who wants to come and get the experience of using the equipment and making the wine? No. So what I do is I, I uh, specifically make a seven-day fermentation mm -hmm. because if you're a kind of guy that likes to, that you have Wednesday nights free and Wednesday night is a good night for you to make wine, then I need you to come to me two Wednesday nights in a row. The first one is going to be to crush your grapes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ferment it in that week's period, and you're going to come back the next Wednesday night and press your grapes. Gotcha. Because those are the um, iconic moments that people want to take part in when it comes to making wine. When you make wine with me, you'll be able to think back to this moment when you were operating a, a, a 
pretty impressive piece of equipment to yeah. make your wine. It's just gonna it's gonna be something that you remember. And so that's the moment that I want to create for these people. You know, everybody always thinks back to that I love Lucy show. I mean, if I don't hear that yeah. twenty times a season, it's uh, <laughs> it's not enough. And and but because that's a very iconic, not only that episode, but the thing that she was doing, the stepping on the grapes, the mm-hmm. the thought of doing that yep. is for some people, not only is it so foreign that they're like, that's cool, I would want to do that. But for other people, it's like, I used to do that as a kid. Some yeah. people are like, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. that kid. And so for them, it's it's a nostalgic thing that they need to get. Uh-huh. You know, So there, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, personal notes that we touch on for, for people when it comes to the experience of making wine. Now, how'd you get into this? Because this is definitely not... You can take a sip. Go ahead, yeah. Oh, I was hoping to take a sip. The, because uh, this is not. I feel like there's a lot of things that people could just stumble in. Do you know Tom Francis? Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I just <laughs> I had love Tom. His I, little thing. Oh, I love him too. The I just had him on a couple weeks ago, and you know, there's things that people can stumble into, and there's people that, that you're like, how the fuck did you right. end up doing this? Right, like right. they're so random. Like. So random, so off the play. I can't, I could see it. Like, hey, guy just comes up with an idea of like, I want to make a man cave and right. let's turn it into a business. Right. You know, and, and let's have bourbon and cigars. Like, great idea. Right. I don't know anybody. I couldn't even imagine somebody just walks into a warehouse and says, this is a great place to ferment wine. Let's right. do it. Right. So no, how no. did this all happen? Because this is like, I walked in here, I'm mind blown. This right. is, the, this is, I feel like my guests just keep topping each other. Like, I don't know where I'm going to end up in 10, 10 years with this shit, with right. the way that this is going. Right, but right. it's like, you know, from starting in a 10 by 10 closet to getting a studio to meeting people with these incredible things. You know, our buddy Jeff that connected us. Yeah. Jeff Wibbins, he's been on the podcast too. Awesome. Business. You know, to Tom Francis, who's providing experience. And now this, like, I don't know where it's going to go. But how did you, how does somebody even... Wake up and just say, fuck it, I'm just going to make wine for everybody. So, so it, there's a time in everybody's <laughs> life, okay, and I think we talked about it before we started this podcast. There's a time in everybody's life where you got to make a decision that's going to dictate where you're going to go for a little while. And um, it usually has to do with job opportunities and, and, and are you working for somebody else? Are you working for yourself? You know, what are your, what are your priorities and, and, you know, what do you love about what you do in life? And at some point, you just want to do something that's good for you mm-hmm. or your family. And, yeah. and so that point came for me about 10 years ago. Where I was in a job, and I was in a very good job. I was making good money, and and, and I could probably have said for a couple of years, why the fuck did I do this? Uh-huh. You know, like, why would I leave that good job and put myself under so much stress to run my own winemaking business? You know, what's a very popular saying? If you want to lose a million dollars real fast, go open up a winery. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I'll, I'll gladly say, trust me, that didn't happen. I didn't lose a million dollars, not yet. But it can I can see how it can get that way, because yeah. it's a very expensive business to run. So the way I got into it is, first of all, a very good friend of mine, like somebody that I know since I'm five years old, um, you know, we started this business together. And for us, we grew up very much the same way. Like I said, I made wine with my father and my uncles. Uh-huh. He, he had his grandfather around. So he made wine with his father and his grandfather, three generations of guys making wine together. And it was very much a guy's thing to do for whatever reason, you know, how it was back then, uh, you know, especially if you grew up Italian the way I did. The women were cooking in the kitchen while the men were doing things like making the wine or, you know, doing the stuff outside. And so uh, making wine was an annual tradition that was kind of a boys club thing. And when you're a young eight, nine, ten year old kid, that's kind of cool to you. You're like, all right, just the boys get together. This is fun. I'm part of this like little club of guys. Absolutely. That's appealing to you. And so that brings feelings of of inclusion and, and camaraderie together that I think men need to feel. And so we look for these kind of things. So I said, listen, I said... 
to him and he said to me, he's like, you know, we should get into business together because A, you know, we know each other a long time, we trust each other, and B, you know, this is something we can do. I yeah. mean, you know, we, we have the backgrounds, we've done this before, we know how to make wine. Thankfully, we've been making wine all throughout that and people liked our wine. So it was like, it wasn't like we totally jumped into the deep end of the pool, but it was still a risky move. Yeah. Um, but we did it slowly. We had our full-time jobs while we started the business. So uh, we did it with a little bit of security, right? We had our full-time jobs while we started the business and were able to get our feet wet and make sure it was something we wanted to do before we totally cut the cord loose on the jobs. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, he wasn't able to cut the cord loose on his job because he's making very good money. So he, he continued with his job and I continued with this. But, um, you know, everybody's got to make decisions for themselves. And so how you get into something like this is you're going to make a crazy decision at some point in your life. And mm-hmm. I got to do that. I'm happy I did it. Trust me. It's, uh, <laughs> that was and, cool. Man. And I think I'll be happier even 10 years from now because this isn't the kind of business I started to, you know, I didn't have necessarily an exit strategy when I started this business. Like yeah. I wasn't like, all right, you know, it's not a tech company. I'm not like I'm going to sell this to some big conglomerate yeah, in five years. No, cash this out. was more yeah, like, you know what? If I, even if I got stuck, and I had to make wine with all these people until I was 80 years old, I'd be cool with that. Like, I have a really good time coming to work. I mean, oh, it's 11 a.m. and me and you are drinking a bottle of wine hanging out, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, but that's a typical thing for me because people come in, they need to check up on their barrel or they want to talk to me about starting a new barrel. And my meetings are usually held over a bottle of wine. Yeah. And so, not a bad way to go. No. So, that was also a factor in, you know, can I get into a business like this? It it didn't hurt that, A, I'm not an alcoholic, thank God, I'm putting my hands together, I pray to that, you know, I'm not really a fall down drunk, and that's important. I don't think you could run a business like this if you are. Um, I enjoy my wine, sure, but I'm a sipper, and I enjoy... Um, trying many different things, so uh, which is which is why I like Tom Francis because his bourbons are awesome too. Uh, but but my point is, you got to be careful in a business like this too. You don't want to fall down fall down a hole like that. So being that type of person allowed me to enter this type of business. There are uh-huh. certain people that I that I think could not enter a business like this yeah, for yeah. obvious reasons. Um, so we needed to start the business, and we said, all right, where are we going to go? Like where where are there people that will support us? Our support system is basically Nassau County. And we said, how come Nassau County doesn't have a, you know, any kind of wine making a, I mean, yeah, you can go to a wine store and buy wine, but there's yeah. no winery. There's certainly no vineyard in Nassau County. Yeah, right? yeah. Where do you go if you want to see a vineyard? You got to go all the way out east. Yeah. An hour and a half drive. So why is there nothing here? So first we thought, oh, there's got to be some legal reason why. So we did our homework. We got some lawyers. We, you know, found out that there's no legal reason why a winery couldn't exist on Nassau County. Uh-huh. And then we looked at each other. We were like, we got to be the ones to do it. Yeah. And after that, it was just go. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, just scrap it together and start moving. Right. That's right. Yourself. right. right. Shit that, out. No, we, we didn't sit down and write a business plan. We didn't sit. Yep. We just started doing things. Like when we rented the space that we're sitting in right now, um, I had nothing to put in it. We, just, we really <laughs> just rented a space uh, with four uh, walls and nothing to put in it. Uh, because we had a couple of months when we rented it, we had a couple of months until our first winemaking season was going to come around. So the renting of the space was was really a um, a symbolism thing for us. It was like, all right, now you have something to do. Like, yeah. you got to fill this place. Yep. With wine. Absolutely. Um, and 
I guess if I told you back then, if I thought it would take eight years to finally fill the place, I would have been like, bullshit, we're going to get this done in two years. But obviously I was naive then. But uh, <laughs> we finally have it filled. And now I have spatial issues where, you know, I, I'm always constantly trying to figure out how I can stack more things to yep. create more floor space. Um, but that's a good problem to have, I guess. And, uh, you know, that, that was that getting the space was the kick in the ass that we needed to start going out and figuring out how to run a business like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are businesses like this that exist around the country, believe it or not, there's Texas, uh, Jersey, they exist. Uh-huh. Um, but there's just one, there wasn't one close enough to this huge metropolis that's that is manhattan that allows yeah. people to come make wines we were like what the hell Let's do yeah it. why not yeah. do you get you get a lot of foot traffic from manhattan uh foot traffic from manhattan yes because they want to come and be a part of you know the manhattanites want to get out or they're on their way to the hamptons and they Nights. pop in yeah that's, is that a word that, i don't know but i like it i've like never heard of it Let's but i like it, it. yeah manhattanites so i call them <laughs> i call us long islanders long islanders well so they're yeah. manhattanites uh <laughs> manhattaners never came rolled off the tongue well um Yes, they want to get out and see places like ours and, and, and visit a place like this, but people who live in Manhattan, aka Manhattanites, don't exactly have, they don't have cellars, they don't have wine rooms. Yeah. Like, you don't get that kind of space in Manhattan unless you're the billionaires and, and you know even what then. me. But yeah. um, even that, it's going to cost you a fortune to get something like this. No doubt. So the guys in Nassau County, the people who live in Nassau County that have space, yeah. you know, we have quarter acres, half acre parcels of land. We have big houses. We have basements. Yeah. We have cellars. Yep. These are the people that um, can uh, store 240 bottles of wine. That's what comes out of a barrel of wine. So yeah. if you said to me, Vin, make me a barrel of wine. It's 20 cases of wine. I live in a studio in Manhattan. Uh, yeah, okay. Where are you going to put it? Yeah. I'll store it for you. I'll just keep charging you while I store it for you, but it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you want your storage of wine to be there because when you're entertaining, you want to go get your wine. And, yep. you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you also need to surround yourself by people who can utilize your, your service and your product. And that's, what, and that's why we're in Nassau County. I think we're, we landed ourselves in a very good location. People always say, why Hicksville? Well, our hands were kind of tied. I mean, we, we needed to have a warehouse type facility. Yeah. We didn't want to be right on top of people's homes because of the alcohol factor and everything like that. I think we were being sensitive to how close we could be to churches and schools yeah, and things yeah, like that. So we said, listen, let's get ourselves back in a warehouse space where we can kind of, you know, do what we got to do. And um, and it worked out for us. And, and it actually worked out really well because once you go to get your license to produce wine, um, you need to be in an in industrial, uh, uh, an area that's zoned industrial, and so yeah. thankfully we were already in one, so it worked out to get a oh. license. Oh wow! I didn't yeah, know so that. you can't you can't just be anywhere. Like you have to. Oh, so it's in that or you're manufacturing. You have to. Yeah. Be, uh, well, then, then then you're on a farm and you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're in Nassau County, I mean, think about all the you know the town laws and shit like that that you need to uh, comply with. Um, so in a little bit of luck. We rented a space that ended up working out for us uh, for something we had to do in the future. So yeah, that yeah. worked out for us. And and doesn't every business need a little bit of luck? No, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Le- learning that the the fast way. The uh, I'm I'm kind of in a similar scenario, but I'm much closer to lift off than I am to coasting at this point. Right on. But uh, you know, one of the, one of the big questions that everybody asks me is like, you know, why why'd you leave your job? Like you had a good job, you know, and you just left with nothing. Right. And I'm like. 
one, I want the people to know I'm serious about this. Like, if I have my job and then I do this as a side gig and then I gotta wait till the side gig yep. grows big enough yep. and then then it allows me to leave and supplement my income. And then two, I built the studio. I built my studio now, and I want to. You know, I could have easily started my business from home, but I'm like, I need. I want a place that separates work from home. Couldn't agree more. And you know. I go there, I get stuff done, I do, you know, I can hang, like, it's a, it's a man cave. I can hang yeah. out, I can do whatever I want. When I go home, it's home time. Like, separate the two. Church and, and state. Uh, Church and state, and yep. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, there's, there's something to be said. I was in a, I was, like I said, I had a career in marketing, advertising. I was in a business where I worked from home because I had to. I had clients that demanded, you know, these guys pay top dollars for our services, and I had to work from home. But when I think about you know what I want my future life to be like and again you know if it has to be that I work in this business the way I work in it until I'm 80 years old this could be my future life yeah. I want to have a separation of church and state when it comes to work life work balance mm -hmm. because I have kids and I don't want to be the dad that's uh, constantly got the phone attached to my ear and I'm walking around with a laptop in one hand Miserable. you know it's that's just not the way to live a life so if, if it were to come down to that for me yeah. I'll, I'll cut the cord and do something else again because yeah. that's not that's not how I want it to be um, I think lifestyle design. Lifestyle design, yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, I don't want to say it's just me, but I got that kind of Mediterranean kind of lifestyle built into me because I'm first generation here and that's how my parents are. So I know yeah. how to be lazy when I need to be lazy and enjoy life and enjoy family. Yep. Um, and, and let work build up a little bit. Mm -hmm. It gives you a chance to reset too and rethink yeah. and re-strategize. And so that's very important. In my yeah, opinion. big time. The... Uh, I could, yeah, it has to be, you know, the separation, and it was really like, you know, now, now I got it, now I got to utilize it, or I'm, you know, what am I, I'm wasting this warehouse in both our, both our situations, you know, let's, let, let's do it, and it was just, you know, and now with my company, I can work at all hours of the day, you know, everything could be automated, scheduled, whatever right. it may be, so it's like, you know, I have complete lifestyle design. Like I'm, I was cruising on my way here today, and I'm like, I got the windows down, yeah. blasting music, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, I'm so happy. Like right. I don't have to go answer somebody else. Right. I don't have to like, oh my god, I gotta get this done. I gotta get this done. Hey, I gotta get everything done. Right. But like, okay, if it's done in 20 minutes yeah. or an hour, you know, well, what's the difference? Yeah, well, you know, yeah. oh my god, hey, I need this. I need this reported. You know, this time yeah. or this. this. I'm like. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, fuck, fuck your TPS reports. We're oh not, my we're not god! Doing that. Yeah, it's just—it's so, like I'm just genuinely so much happier. And I'm like, it's a much happier lifestyle. Listen, there's 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 different types of pressures and weights that get applied to you when you're your own boss. You know, now you got to produce. Yep. But when you figure that out, it feels nice. It feels really nice. It's rewarding. Yeah, without that. Um, Doing it the other way, uh, you know, working for somebody else and having and, and working within their structure and making them money has its benefits too. It was nice to have uh, uh, health care and um, you know uh, job office security. job security, office parties out. You know, there, yep. there was a you know when you work for a big business, you get these perks, travel. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's different, but. When you're concentrating on, you know, building your lifestyle, your legacy, your, you know, how you're going to live your life, you want to do it for yourself. Yeah. You don't want to be on somebody else's plan. Yep. Yep. Uh, big, big uh, kudos to you for, getting, yeah. for doing the jump and getting thanks, it for yourself. Thanks. Thanks. And oh, you know what, too? I figured while I'm young, you know, I want to be 40, 50 years old. I want to have a yacht. I want to have nice. all the nice things, a handful of houses, you know. I want to be able to just, like, live. Like, I don't want to have to be like, oh, my God, I got to get to the office. I got to do this. I got to get to this. I got to do this. Like... You know, 
I don't mind working till I'm 80, you right, know, right. if social media and websites are still around, you I don't know. know. about that. But, <laughs> you know, I want to be able to, like, enjoy life. And, you know, hey, if everybody wants to go to the beach, like, I, like you know, right when I got here, I was like, oh, he's not here yet. All right, no big deal. Let me get the work done. Like, right. I'm sitting in my car right. working on my phone. I'm right. like, this is crazy. Like, I could literally do all the work that I need to do today on my phone and bang it out before you got here. I guess it's also a generational thing that you're bringing up because you couldn't do that 20 years ago. No, impossible. No. Impossible. No, you 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 could. It was more difficult to be successful um, as a one man show. Yeah. Um, Twenty years ago, because the, just the tools weren't at our hands. No. Now, now we got it. Now, yeah. Now it's and here. It's only going to get better, right? Now it's so here. As long as you keep up with the trends and you keep up with technology, you're going to be good to go. You keep pouring your sure. Best. Go for right, it. I'm not, not going to tell you no. Uh, what is this thing called, by the way? The t- oh, the, the little. Uh, okay, so this is called a drip stop. Okay. Okay. And what that does is you put it in the in your wine bottle, so when you pour. Your wine bottle doesn't drip on your tablecloth. You know how when you pour a yeah, bottle yeah, yeah. Wine, unless you're a really good waiter and you know how to do that twist? Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't do that, and they drip wine wherever they're uh, pouring wine. That prevents it from doing that. So I um, I made thousands of them. I give them out to people. I, I have a little I quote. I saw that. Yeah, I, I have a little quote on it. It says, getting you every last drop. You know, that's my goal. Oh, so, there you go. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, little marketing tricks that you learn when you got to awesome. you get your name out there. So that's fun side. And, and what better than that? I mean, I'm in the wine business, and I... Uh, yeah, why not? Something that, Add a value. Uh, yeah, a, you know, and every, you know, anytime some, oh, you know, oh, let's get the drip stop, boom, right. it's got your right. logo. It's got my logo on it. Exactly. Yeah, it's a home run. The, yeah. uh, I'm, well, I'm trying to think of something, and I was just thinking the, of those, you know, the little metal plates on the back of your for phone. For the back of the phone, what for, is it? Uh, the the magnet. So, yeah. you know, if you already have the magnet thing, you know, I might, I might get a, you know, a couple dozen of those laser engraved. Home run, yeah. Throw your know. name and number on it, say, let's do a podcast. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, I'm actually, I've come to the conclusion that I got to go super hard in the podcast world. You know, I, I let it, I don't want to say I let it sit, but it was like between the company starting up and I was going pretty aggressively for, for, aggressively for a while. But it was, you know, when I had the date, you know, like when I had my old job, it was like, all right, I got to do it after hours. Right. You no, know, which is fine. No big deal. But like. No, you can't always get a hold of somebody at six, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it was like, now I'm like, all right, I have, you know, the business is semi-established. Let's go back to this and let's keep hammering this. Because this could be, you know, one, I like to meet new people. And two, I get to meet interesting people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be transitioning this podcast away from business, not away from business owners, but more so, you know, I've had some pretty unentertaining business owners that I've met in my life right. now where I'm like... I, I just want to meet interesting people. Right, right. You know, if you do something cool, awesome. Right. Even if you're just a hobbyist. Yeah, 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 hey, exactly. What's your you hobby? Know? Do you shoot yep. guns? Hey, let's hang out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, literally. So I'm like, all right, you know, I got to turn this into something. You know, I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to get into the world of boring people. Right. So I'm like, all right, you know, let's let's kick it up a notch. Instead of going from business owners and somebody's going to, you know, talk about their business or just that, you know, let's just have interesting people. If they have an interesting business, by all means. But if it's... They don't have a business and they work for them for somebody else, but they have a really cool hobby. Why not? Right. You know, I could. There's there's so much in this world to learn. But like, you know, I'm learning about wine today. Right. You know, exactly. And every day's and every podcast is so different. And interestingly enough, this is my hobby. So in yeah. addition, to, in addition to being my business, it's a hobby for for. And I can say the same about all my customers. This is yeah. a hobby of theirs. This is something. This is a passion of theirs. What you want to do? If I can tell you, I hate being one of those people that says you should do this for your business. Yeah. I hate when people say you should, you should. But. Um, Introduce yourselves to introduce yourself to or find people who just have hobbies. Yes, hobbies that are um, that have nothing to do with how they make money. Yeah, right. Because passion is where it's at, man. Yes. So when you got people, passion is a really, really intense thing, and it it, it 
gets people to feel a different way. It gets people to talk in a mm-hmm. different way. And that that even just the tone in the voice will change the way because you're in the sound business, right? You're you're on right now, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, so the the sound that's coming out of people's voices needs to needs to project passion and and uh, love for something. That's what yeah. You need, that's what you need on on Mark. Did uh, did you ever read the book? Uh, it starts with why. Uh, I'm sure I didn't. Sure you should. <laughs> Do you listen to books? Uh, books on tape is something that's become a little bit bigger in my life. Uh, my wife's a big proponent of it, but it's, uh, this book in particular, I have not. No. Oh, man, I'll have to get it for you. Actually, Please it's funny because Jeff got it for me. Okay. I'll have to get it for you. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, pass it, pass it well, forward. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, I'm in the process of listening to it because I just, you know, I love reading I always thought I was a super slow reader, but I just started listening to the book, and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty, like, on par with how fast he's, like, speaking. I'm like, as long as I'm at that speed, I'm cool. Uh-huh. But I'm like, I, you know, every once in a while, I do a lot of driving. You know, I come out here, you know, now I'm taking meetings all over the place again. So I'm like, all right, I spend all this time in the car. I like to listen to podcasts. I like to listen to books. Books are just much more organized thoughts. Uh-huh. So I'm like, all right, you know, let me start crushing books. And I also downloaded the book, and I'm like... This, and they talk a lot about passion, you know, how to keep employees, how to keep customers, you know. Culture. Starting with why, you know, why? Because you have a passion for winemaking. So not that I'm trying to figure out my why. I'm just trying to figure out what my why is going to be as far as verbiage for, right. you know, the look. The right, because you do company. have to put these things down literally on paper yep. to, to be able to uh, expand on them and really work them into your business model because that's important. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more about uh, building culture with your employees and your customers. You, yeah. you need to show that you do things a certain way mm-hmm. that fits within what in their belief system. Yeah, right. Because they want to they want to party with people who are of the same like minded. You know, if they look at me and they say, "All right, this guy's you know all about um, hanging with good people and enjoying good times," and then he goes back to his family and like those are values that they believe in, and so yeah. they accept me into their circle. It's yeah, the best thing I can ask. For. Yeah, it's tremendous. That's exactly what I Especially need. in this, you know, yeah. this is like the def. I mean, maybe not physically breaking bur- breaking bread, but like this is like the closest thing to it. As hey, I we do break bread. I have a wood burning pizza oven in the back. Yep, and I, I fire up for people, and we make pizza for That's them. That's crazy. It. What's better than pizza and one? I got not much. pizza for them, and listen, not I, much. like I said, I grew up doing this. I'm trying to give them a little taste of how I grew up. I got it. now. Where are your parents from? My parents are from a place south of Italy called Bari, B-A-R-I. Okay. So that's where they both were are from there. Okay. Uh, I've been many times as a kid. Again, uh, being first generation, you tend to um, you know go to these places, and so I've been, and uh, they um, like to travel us to where they're from. I get to go and see my aunt and and my uncle who are over there, um, and and family. So going back to the hometown is a big is a big thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I knew you said you were first generation. I didn't know like where they came from and stuff like that. Okay. The um, but you know, being a part of that is you know coming coming in doing all this and stuff like that is not your normal you know run of the mill. And I mean, I didn't grow up in a family like that where I'm where I'm making wine. But to have that the passion and you've been doing it since you're so young is, I mean, it doesn't really get much better. It's an amazing, it's an amazing feeling to, to be that. I guess the more I talk to people about it, the more I ask people about it, I'm, I'm lucky and unique in that respect that I have that. Um, I, for whatever reason, in high school, as you're as you're accumulating friends and figuring out who you want to hang out with and things like that, I somehow gravitated towards and and um, interacted with a whole set of other people who are first generation American and not necessarily Italian, but you know, I have friends from other countries who are first generation here. Yeah, I think what. Um, what brought us all to each other was that we, 
a when you're that age you think about you know you're going through these you know you're going through teenage times and the awkward stages right so what did we have <laughs> what did we all have to complain about oh our parents are so rough on us they you know they they grew up so tough and so they they, they make it tough on us and and so you start to commiserate with people of the same kind of yeah, feelings yeah of and, course and so I, I've like-minded people I've been able to um uh, create a network of friends who are mostly first-generation Americans whose uh-huh. parents grew up uh, abroad in tough times. And I think it uh, also instills a certain work ethic because, uh, you know, if you know about, you know, immigrants who came over here in the, in the 50s and 60s, they had to work their ass off to get to where they are. Yeah. And so that shows you kind of, you know, the right way to do things in life, if I can say the right way, my way. Uh, yeah. But it, it's a good way. It's hard it's work and way. perseverance. Hard they work pay and perseverance. Off. You know, I, I think that's one thing that I think that is, you know, those that generation works so hard that now, then it, then it passed off to, you, you know, a little bit older, your generation, I guess. Right. And then now that, that generation is like, you know, my grandparents work so hard, I'm working so hard to provide for your kids. And then it's like, you get to our generation, you're like, what happened? Right. Um, Technology, but yeah, technology. You know, <laughs> but like it's so weird too because we live in such a different world than we did then. Like right. you know, we have the internet, we have Amazon Prime, and we yeah. have like all of these things. You know, waiting a year for a barrel of wine to somebody like me is like, who would wait that long? Right. I know. Like shit, if I can't get it in two days or less on Amazon, I don't even know oh, if yeah. I want oh, it. Yeah. My business is the opposite of instant gratification. It's like come in. <laughs> Uh, pay for your barrel up front, and by the way, I'm going to make you wait 11 months so you can get your yep. shit. It's a long time to wait, but people who know about quality wine know that aging and, and time spent in barrel uh, is, is the way. It's yeah. unfortunate you got to wait. That first year is the toughest year. Yeah. Then after your first year, you barrel some wine, you do it again. Now you're drinking wine while your second batch is waiting. Yeah. So most of my customers, I won't say everybody because I'd, I'd have quite an empire if every customer of mine came back and, and did it every year, but yeah. I have a very high percentage of customers who do this as an annual thing. This yeah. is an annual tradition. Um, as as is making tomato sauce. As, yeah. is, as is growing gardens. These are all things that I still do with yeah. my family. So, Oh my God. You know, I saw somebody with a garden the other day. I went to a yeah. backyard party and yeah. I was like, thank the good Lord, yeah. If you right. believe it, that people still that people still do right. that because, right. like, you know, just having fresh vegetables. I was like, she's like, oh, I got all the zucchini and cucumbers and basil and all mint stuff and all in like, my backyard right now. Yeah, tomato. And I'm like, I can't wait till I have a house where right. I'm actually gonna live for a set right. period of time right. where it's like, like that is like the goal for me. It's yeah. weird as yeah. it sounds. Like, and have this a, work. It's tough work. Yeah, the garden like looking good yep. and, and uh, you know. But it's so damn rewarding and tasty when yep. you're having a nice salad Fre- that came from 40 from feet away. Oh, it's great. Fresh vegetables right. is so underrated. Right, right. You know, it's, and then you're like, and then you go back to the generation thing. You're like, like, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. And you hear all these people like, oh my God, you know, factory farming and like, whatever. It teaches on, on that. But it's like, to be able to just go to your backyard and say, hey. I grew this tomato. Right. Like, you're like, uh, like to me, I'm like, that is the coolest thing in the world, right. you know? It's so simple, but we're so far gone from it because we have our iPhones, our Androids, and you can do this, 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 this. How about know? that for business? Should we just start going into people's backyards and, and installing gardens? There's a guy. Yeah. So I heard about I heard about him oh, on... I meet this guy. Go ahead. Uh, I think Joe Rogan's podcast, but he's all about growing, and, it does, and they're not even good-looking gardens. He's just like, imagine taking your lawn 
ripping the whole thing up and planting vegetables. Oh, damn. You could literally eat an endless number of vegetables right. all season long and never have to cut the grass again. And ne- yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, and it's like and it doesn't e- like he's like it doesn't even need to be upkept. Right. Like who cares? Like you're turning something that could you can't even use right. except to walk on into a fruitful garden right. where you could literally just eat and eat and eat and it's no preservatives, no nothing. It's no doubt. all fresh That's what I'm and talking it's, about. you know even if your stop and shop is around the corner or at the bottom of your building for people that live in, you know, New York City, right. there's literally nothing better than walking 20, 30 feet to go get something right off the yep. vine. And cutting it right there. I Cut. couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And that's how I grew up. And that's the kind of things that we need to start bringing local businesses back to. Yes. Because that's the only way we're going to keep uh, businesses, small businesses uh, creating small businesses locally because if we just allow fruit to be uh, shipped in from thousands of miles away to satisfy people, it, that doesn't yeah. work for us. I get good. it. That's you not know, good. But like, mangoes are not native up here. Like, we should not, like, I get it. I love it. Don't get in me wrong. February. I fucking love mangoes. <laughs> right. but, oh, they're great. But like, we should be having like, tomatoes and berries. Like, that's what grows naturally up here. It's going to be so much better for you. And, uh, one of the other things I just recently learned too is when you eat locally grown vegetables, because the vegetables have the pollen in the air right. that are used to create the vegetable, it actually helps with your allergies and stuff like that. So eating local vegetables will actually help combat your allergies as opposed to awesome. taking a little claret in every single right. day to make right. sure that you could breathe, right. you know? Right. And I'm like, that's and honey too. Honey's like the best thing for you. You know, I if you know if I ever ball out and I just have a ton of money, I'm going out east, opening up a small farm, honey farm. Oh, uh, honey, uh, I want to do. Farm. Yep, I want to no, do no. apples. You know, I want to do. Uh, I want a whole farm. You know, a thing for bees and like, technology is the shit. Right. Like you, there's a thing called, uh, and I don't know how crazy you are on the internet, but there's a thing called the flow hive. You literally turn a key in it. You turn it, it breaks all the honeycombs, splits them, the honey drains down, and then you just put it right back and the bees Sick. aren't bothered. Yeah. Like, I'm like, it's easier now to get all this stuff and nobody's doing it. Right, right. <sighs> yeah, mind blown. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, why aren't we doing this? Right. We're getting there. It takes, it takes, it, it's going to take a generation or two to get it right. Because how, we're, how we're get so far away. You know what we're doing? Yeah, because we, we have to, uh, we have to uh, get rid of the old generation's way of doing things which was the mass making and and that whole thing it's it took, i think we're getting away from it, it took it such it a grip on us that it's not easy to shed from it yeah but we're getting back to it and i think that's important i think it's, it's important to be on the forefront of that um that's going to be a, a movement not just a business or an industry that's that's going to be a movement of way of doing things yeah. because people want to people should be putting better shit in their bodies you know, yeah. uh, we, we eat, you know, whatever you want to say about your fast food businesses and things and that, even they're going to have to start complying with this new way of doing things. Yeah. Um, because, not because they start, government they're is going to already. require it, but because the people are going to require it. Yep. And that's that's what we need to do. But it starts with teaching your kids. Yeah. You know? Big time. Yeah. Big time. And, and you know, I think we're, we're also moving into a way where consumers are driving the market. You know, yeah. th- like this is like true economics. You know, not so much where these big businesses are just pumping and pumping and pumping out. You know, now it's, you know, go to the go to the farm stand. Go to the mom and, sh- mom and pop, sh- like, boutique, you know. Yeah, of course, you're going to have Walmart and stuff like that. But I think Walmart is starting to really try to compete with the local small shops because it's just, you know, I'd rather go support. 
somebody you know around the corner who Absolutely. lives in town then then go spend you know my money at somewhere else Absolutely. The, one of the, my wife's my wife's big on this my, my wife is big on local and eating healthy in this net so we belong to a uh, CSA a community sustained agriculture oh, that's farm cool. out out east on the north fork and uh, from the months of I want to say it's April or May all the way through November uh-huh. every week on Wednesday she goes and picks up a box of whatever came out of the farm right that's and so cool Awesome. Now, that said, I've eaten more kale and lettuce than I care to uh, <laughs> in the last couple of months. And we did it last summer, too. But you know what? To your point, that's what's local and that's what's growing right yes. now. So that's what you should be eating. Of course. Uh, end of story. And what I like about that, because my wife really pushes that, and, and I love her for it, because the kids are learning that now. And they're, they're learning that you know staying local is good. And, and the kids are... I get people asking me all the time, "Hey, you're you're a, you're a, you're an alcohol business, you're a winery, am I allowed to bring my kid?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, bring your kid." Yeah, teach them. Why not? They're not drinking. They're gonna be they're gonna be buying barrels for me in 15 yeah, years. Of course, you know, when they're 21 or the whatever. The long so game, great. I like it. Oh yeah, the yeah. long game. Absolutely. You know, you're not in the wine business for the short game. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a long game. So uh, by all means, when you're building a brand, and I b- truly believe that that's what I'm building a brand. Um, the long game is the only way to look at it. I, yeah. I, I can't just uh, decide on a social media budget and within the next couple of months blow up my business. Like, yeah. It just doesn't work that way. People, especially f- for me holistically, I'm just not a hard seller. I want people to buy into the quality, what the message I'm putting out, yep. you know, what, what we do here as a business, the tradition, right? Yeah, that, you, you can't get that point across in a social media you know, yeah, post. Like, it takes longer than a minute, that's I for sure. I need your ass to come get walked through my door and see what I'm about. Yep. And that's it. Yep. And that's the, and the rest that's will sell itself. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's when you'll feel good about it. I don't need you walking out of here feeling buyer's remorse. I want you walking in here being like, wow, what a find. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's, oh my God, that's that's my other favorite thing too is like, is like finding these spots. Like I'm always on the prowl looking yeah. for like, you know, typically the consumables, you know, food, drink, whatever, you know, if it's something that I could or do, you know, I'm always looking for spots like that because I feel like they're getting so phased out. Right. Then, you know, if you can find, like I went to Huntington the other day. I went to a place called MB Robin. Uh, I believe. Ramen? Like ramen ramen. noodles? Yeah. And, uh, but it was like, you know, I saw, I think I saw it online or I think I saw it on News 12 and I really don't watch TV, but it was like, oh yeah, you know, come, come down, check it out. Like, it's pretty cool. I was like, all right, you know, whatever. If I'm in the neighborhood, I happen to be in Huntington yesterday. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just swing by. And this place was tiny. I mean, tiny. This little Ten office. Seats. This <laughs> office is like double the size of the whole yeah, place. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. I was like, oh, I think I found you guys online, but like, I wanted to check it out. And and they're like, all right, cool. And they like, just two like I don't want to say punk kids, but they were just like down to earth. Like they weren't like so polished and like, right. oh my god, you right. know, I need to wear. You know, they're just like, it was pouring outside. I walk in, I'm covered in like, I'm soaked to the gills. I'm like, oh, I want some ramen. And yeah. they're like, oh, they, they already knew it was on. Like, this kid's cool as can yeah, be. Yeah. You know, and now I'm just shooting the shit with them. You know, how long am I doing this? Oh, you know, I did this, I did this, I'm moving here, you know, I do this. And I'm like, this is the, ex- it's the experience. It's not just let me go eat there really quick. It's like, let me chat with these guys, talk about it. They're giving, you know, they're letting me taste their food. And, oh, you know, we're working on this, we're working on this. I'm like, this is cool. Authenticity, right? Yeah, like, oh. They had a story to tell. You yeah. Could fe- you could feel just by looking yep. at them that they had experiences that brought them to running that business. Yeah, they it don't even own sense. it. They just they just like run the ta- like the counters <laughs> and the tables. But I'm they're just like, oh, you know, I'm like, you know, they show me the process. You know, how oh, you like it spicy? You like, hey, you like it? You, you know, Lauren, you hook you up with this. You want to do this? You want? Yeah. And I'm like, this is what we're missing. Right. Like, 
yeah, it only holds 10, 50, you know, I don't know how profitable it could be, but even if it makes some money, like, it's that, like, now I'll always go there. Like, that right. experience right. alone is, like, I'm pumped to go back. Right, right. Like, I, I can't wait. Yeah. Businesses like that are, um, are uh, those are the fines, like we were saying, right? That you, If everybody knew about it, they'd have a bigger spot than a 10-seat spot. Yeah. So, so it's, it's uh, because through your relationships or whatever you follow online, yeah. you were brought to that spot. Yep. And that was a fine for you. And so to me, um, shopping locally and, and finding businesses that speak to you is yep. all about... You know, searching within your personal network to see who knows, because there's businesses out there that we don't know about. There's, oh, there's, there's so, so many. many. So and, many. And because, right, small business is the engine of the economy, and, and they come and go faster than we can keep up with, unfortunately. Yep. But the ones that stick around just long enough to possibly make it yep. are those. That's a sweet spot for me. That's the that's a find, you know. And, yeah. and, and I look for businesses like that because it makes a as a business owner, I, I sympathize because it's tough to go through what they what they go through. It's tough to go through what I go through. And and for me, I want to help. I want to support. And, yeah. and I love finding shit. There's like nothing that, that makes me angrier than people saying, "Oh, let's go to Applebee's for dinner." Yeah. For, oh God, please. <laughs> like I'm like like. We live in the pinnacle of yeah. the most delicious right. food That's in the, the fucking world, probably. Right. You know, we're 70 miles, or at least me, I'm like 70 or 100 miles away from New York City. I'm 77 miles away from Montauk. <laughs> There's got to be something in this yeah. fucking island that yeah. is tremendous, that is better than goddamn Applebee's. Right. Like, right. not saying Applebee's is bad. If you're in the middle of a state and you're traveling along and you just need a quick bite to eat, I get it. Right. But like... And there's nothing else around. God, we got Patchogue, <laughs> we got Port Jeff, we got Huntington, we got Babylon, we got Bayshore. Like, there's so many good places to go get a local bite. And you're supporting local business. You're right. supporting, you know, yes, Applebee's has employees that happen that work in the community. But like, you're you're supporting people that are making money. They're going to spend money. They're going to be philanthropic up like in the area. Like, it's just, it's a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you? Right, right. You know, and it's such better quality. Quality of food is what I'm talking about like listen you can go the uh the big box route for like Lowe's okay I go to Lowe's for my hardware needs not only because it's right down the block from me over here and it makes my life easier but uh it's hard for a local hardware store to compete with what Lowe's can buy and, and they get better stuff it's we're talking about prepackaged goods yeah it's not it's the same item yeah whether you get it from the local hardware store or Lowe's and Lowe's is cheaper I'm sorry I gotta you know I got budgets I gotta pay attention to stuff yeah but when it comes to something I'm gonna put in my body yeah that's a whole other story now yeah. I know the local guy is gonna do the better job of course, you know, of uh, course. Sourcing locally and making good food yeah. for me. So, so you need to know about you know what you're shopping for. To I'll even be a lunatic. I'll go spend the extra twenty percent to go to you know a privately owned True Value or I'll shout out, shout out to my Ace buddy. Hardware. Yep. Where's your buddy? Yep. Uh, Kyle Ray. He's been on the podcast before right. too. He owns AG Electric. Like no doubt. You know, hey, if I need lights, I could have gone to Home Depot and sure. gotten similar lights, right. but. You go in for the experience. You know, they're going to, hey, you know, what are you know what are you looking for? You're looking for this. You're looking for this. They're taking the time to explain well, it to you. Well, you're talking know. about an electrical contractor, I think, is your friend. Is that what he uh, does? Le- I, electrical, I guess, wholesaler. Wholesaler, okay. retailer. I mean, now you're talking about somebody that know that that's, has a concentration. Yes. You want to go to somebody that knows what the hell they're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Like, that's I could have, you know, lights are easy, but, like, I could have easily gone to Home Depot and, and just picked up, hey, you know, I want this. You know, I can, you know, my buddy's an electrician. I'll make it work. Right. But, like, there you, you get the experience. You're hanging out with a bunch of nice guys. You know, you get to see what it's going to be like. They're going to, hey, you know, what What are the colors in the room? You know, let's let's figure out how it's going to work. You know, do you like this style? Do you like this style? You know, hey, you know, it's, we don't have it on display. Let's take a look at the catalog. Do you want to see it? In, you know, do you want to see it? Like, it's just such, it's an experience. You're helping a local, you know, a local, like, 
That's my favorite part about this. I get to right. meet cool ass people, and they're locals. Like, you know, and even if they're not locals, they're just not corporate bigwigs. They're people that are there to help you, right? And really help you. And that's why they got into business. Yeah. Not because the, you know they're, they're they're obviously their goal at some point was to make money and provide for themselves. Otherwise, we wouldn't do this. But um, their original goal was to fill a void. So yep. being like I can do something better than the big boys, or I can do something better than the guy down the block, even. Yeah. And that's the whole spirit of competition and 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 um, uh, commerce is who who can do it better for the better price. And when you're the small business that can figure that out, that's what makes you the fucking winner. Yep. That's what you know. Then you get picked up and you get made big. It's you know that's the whole point of small business. Yep. Is you know big fish eating little fish until. Somebody figured it out right, and that's the new king yep. of the street for a little while until yep. somebody else comes yep. up and figures it out. I mean, hey, don't be wrong. Go make it. If you can make it, go make it. Right. You know, don't sell out too easily, mm-hmm. but go make it, you know, and then, right. you know, you'll go into the next venture, you know, right. if it's something, you know, there's so many things in this world, and I think, you know, I think people think that everybody's got a limit, and I'm ever so, I'm more and more, I'm just thinking there's really no limit to what we can do, you know? Um, if you know you want, if you want to be famous, it's so easy to be famous nowadays. You know, people are like, "Oh, it's bullshit." Why aren't you famous? I'm not trying that hard to be famous. <laughs> you know, honestly. <laughs> but if I really wanted to try hard to be famous, you know, if you really wanted to be famous, and that was your goal, is to be famous, it's not that hard. Right. Like you, between YouTube, Twitch, right. You know, right. You Instagram, right. Facebook. Like, there's so much shit out there to be famous on. Like, come on. You know, if you want it, you could get it. You know, this is. There's plenty of people doing it by accident, that's for sure. Oh. So it's, oh. it's certainly uh, doable. Yeah. Um, but that's the funny thing about, like, you know, they talk about viral videos and shit like that. It's like, how do you... Uh, I used to be, again, in marketing advertising back in the day, right? We used to say, all right, we're going to make a viral video. Bullshit. Nobody just makes make a viral yeah. video. Uh, not, you can't do that. It just I, doesn't work. I get clients that come up to me like, I want to be famous. Yeah, okay. I was like, no, you don't. They're like, <laughs> why do you say that? I'm like... You aren't willing to put in the work to be famous. We'll we'll make your business successful through social media and stuff like that. But for you to be famous or blow up your business to be the next Lowe's is way harder than you think. Don't get me wrong, it's easier than it's ever been. Right. But it's still really hard. And now you got a shitload of competitors more so than than the olden days. Well, the the marketing landscape is so goddamn fragmented that um, you... As, as a small business owner, you have to have 40 different marketing roads that you're managing, right? You've mm-hmm. got to have all your individual social media accounts, five, six, seven, eight of them. Yep. You've got to have your traditional methods, your print, your mail. Your, you're a small business owner. I mean, all of a sudden, you're an account manager. How can you run your business when that's... So just the marketing landscape alone is so fragmented that in order to become this huge thing that you're talking about, let's use Lowe's as an example... I mean, you gotta, you gotta, ha- you gotta have deep pockets. Yep. And you gotta be damn good at yep. your, at how you organize and how you budget that because there's too many traps to fall into. Mm-hmm. And when every dollar counts, you gotta be really cautious and smart about which road you go down. Because oh yeah. You gotta, but you gotta do multiple of them. You can't just speak to Instagram people. It doesn't yep. work. Like you, you gotta, you gotta do Facebook. You gotta do YouTube. You gotta do so. You gotta do everything. Uh, and it's hard to do everything. It really, you, you know, it's, you know, that's why when people say they want to be famous, like you right. gotta be willing to put in the work mm-hmm. to become famous. You know, right. you gotta be willing to grind. Right. Can't be afraid of the camera. You know, right. you just gotta, you know, every day. You know, I'm, I'm slowly gonna start breaking into that realm of like, hey, you know, now I'm really trying to get onto the Instagram train. 
and you know that carries over to Facebook. I don't believe. I think Twitter's dying, but yeah, you know, it's, those are the two big platforms. I know. You know, you got to get on. You got to be on it. And you got to be on it. You got to. You have to be regimented about it every day. That's funny. I, I'm sure you were talking about it with our boy Jeff because he was bringing it up to me. He's like, "Yo, we got to start doing video." He's like, "Let's do a video right now." I was like, "Dude, I gotta go." I was like, "He's like, no, let's do a video right now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like you need that 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 That's fire under your ass yeah. because you know it's a little bit. I don't know why. I, I, maybe because I was just raised just before the generation of all this. Like I understand technology and phones and this and that, but I certainly didn't grow up with a phone in my hand, right? Yeah. So it's not like I'm always there, like videoing myself or even taking pictures. Like, my wife laughs, laughs at me all the time. I don't know how to take a picture. Like, it's, I was never in front of the camera. It's like, I don't even know how to smile. But anyway, sh- you know, it's like this day and age now, you got to just get in front of the camera. Yeah. Have, say something. Have a message. Put it out yep. there. And it'll be picked I'm up more than you know. Hammer You got to do it. Hammer and LinkedIn. You yeah. know, I'm relentless on the on the videos now. Yeah. Now, yeah. and I was originally I was I was originally doing like one video a week. Now, I'm just like, yo, fuck it. If I'm in the mood, I'm making a video. I don't right. give a shit. Right, like, right, right. like. And because I'm so young and I'm so not afraid to fail at this point, I just don't give a fuck. Right, right, right. And we it's working lose. out. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it. Exactly. Right. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, you took a big. I'm like, fuck it. If, right. if I'm going to do this and I'm going to be the social media guy and the website guy and the content creation guy, we just got to balls to the wall. Like, it's got to go, you know. And. My first video, I was shaking like a dog. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh my god, I'm not sure if people like it. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I'm like, oh my god, and now I'm just like, who cares if people like it? I'm like, that's fuck them. Like this is, exactly. you know, this is me. You know right. that because you know that's what? it. Not everybody. So, so one thing I learned in the wine business, which is a great thing to learn, is that not everybody's gonna like the product or the thing that you put out, right? And especially when with wine, it's great because I can make many different products. Yeah. So I know that no one person is gonna like all the wines that I make. Of course, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like there's, you know, everybody's different tastes, favorite flavors, favorites, wants, whatever. Um, but what you need to know about video making and pumping video out, who gives a fuck if this guy doesn't like it? So let him go away. Somebody else is gonna like. Yep. You know, you wouldn't find that person that likes it yep. unless you turn the way the guy yep. that didn't like it. So. And, and you're so afraid of failure that like I'm, you know, it's weird. People are like, dude, what are you doing on LinkedIn? Like you're just, you're killing the video game. Right. I'm just like, right. if it's ten o'clock, and I'm gonna get to the point where I'm gonna start making them in bed. Like right. if I wake up and I'm right. just like, I got this great idea. Like I'm not gonna wait till I get to the office. I'm gonna shoot in bed. I don't give a shit. Who am I here to impress? No, this is who you deal with. You know, this is the new gener. And this is this is my favorite part about the world. Is this is the new generation of business owners. Yeah. You know, it's not gonna be. You know, I feel bad for people who wear suit and tie. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh my, like, dude, yeah. how do yeah. you do why that do you, shit? Why do you do that? Like, <laughs> I have gotten to the point where suit and tie means I am going to party my ass right, off because right, I'm right. going to some, a wedding, wedding or, an installation uh, or unfortunately a funeral. Maybe it's yeah. a wedding or a funeral. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, oh, well, I got funerals yeah. usually end in parties now. Yes. It's, it's the, it's you the know, way. The, you know, <laughs> that's what I equated to. So I'm like, if we're putting on a suit, we're getting wild, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And then I walk in, I'm dressed like this, and people are like, you're the CEO? I'm like, uh, yeah. This is the dress code. Who, dicta- <laughs> yeah. Who dictates what I have to wear? Right. I'm not a funeral director. Right. I'm not in finance. Right. I'm a media guy. Well, you know, I've, I've seen media guys dress a hell of a lot more ridiculous than I do. It's 100% the new wave of business owners because we have production quality uh, devices at our fingertips. So why wait until you get into your office and you put a suit and tie on and you're ready to give your message? It's like too, it's too scripted then. Yep. It's like, 
Something pop into your head. Say it. That's what I stress This goes people. back to authenticity. People want to know what's coming up, what's rolling off your head. Yep. If you're reading a script, it's like, all right. They so, could so tell. This guy, yeah. They could tell. Right, so this guy wrote a message for me. Great. Like a marketing piece. Yep. Unless you're a they 10 out of 10. They off your head, right off your tongue. Yeah. Unless you're a 10 out of 10 public speaker, you know, great example. And I don't care if you like him or you don't like him. Barack Obama. Okay. Dude was, I don't give a shit if you like him as a speaker. president. But that dude, if there's anybody that knows how to public speak, that dude is a master yep. at it. Yeah, he knows how to handle Tony it. Robbins. You, you, you won't know that he's reading off of a teleprompter yep. because he probably already, as a as a well-trained speaker, yep. he's probably read the damn thing so many times he can just speak it out yep. loud and it looks like it's coming right off of his mind. Yep. So he's yep. a very well-trained You know, that's speaker. that's the prime example of it. But then you got the flip side of things. You know, you got these, these people, you got Tony Robbins. Yeah. He's just so much passion yeah. behind what he's doing. He's done it so many times. Like it's just not, it's ingrained in his DNA yep. Yep. of what he's doing. And it's like, that's what people want to see. Yep. They don't want to see the guy reading off a script no. of, no. oh, this is, you know, this is what I was told to write because my person, you know, my PR person told me I had to read this. Like, yeah. you know, teach his own on thoughts about those two individuals. But it's just like, people want to see the real you. And that's what they see when they come in here. They see Vincenzo. Yeah. And they just see this the, the experience that you've created. I certainly don't have any scripts over here. So any night can go any kind of way. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it because... What's the craziest night you've had here? Any given... Hey. Uh, so... <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, the, my, everybody signs privacy notices when they come into the water. Yeah. I'm kidding. Um, th- there's, there's fun times over here. Because on any given night, I don't know what set of customers are coming in. I know who's coming in, but you don't know how they're going to interact with each other. Yeah. Right? Because my business is built around people need to do something with my winery equipment, and so I need to schedule it. Yeah. So let's say every hour on the hour. At 5 o'clock, there's a group. At 6 o'clock, there's a group. At 7 o'clock, there's a group. And I don't necessarily put so much attention to who's coming in behind who, Mm -hmm. but there's an interesting dynamic that happens when one group is leaving and another group is coming in, and there's that 10-minute transition period where they start meshing together. You don't know what's gonna happen. Yep. Almost always, there are people bumping into each other who are like, who either haven't seen each other in years, or they're neighbors. Yeah. Literally neighbors. Oh my god. That both come here and had no idea they were coming here and making their own wine. That's Probably so been drinking fun. the wine from here yeah. for years, <laughs> not knowing that they were both coming here at the same time. And and so interesting things like that happen. And I love that kind of uh, by chance kind of uh, night. Um, you know, where a group comes in and they're usually, listen, the people who are coming here to do this, we were talking about hobbyists, yeah. people who are into hobby, people who get out and do things. These are people who are interesting. They're fun. They're, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so when you put them together in a room, uh-huh. nobody's strangers. There's yep. not like one faction over there. And one, there's always that one guy that starts going over to the other group yep. and, you know, seeing what they're all about because yep. he's the social guy that melds two groups together. And it's just so much fun. Um, you know, so so every night holds something very interesting for me, and I just love that. You know, and because I'm not a bar, we're not open like a bar. Uh, you know, you can't just come in and be like, "Hey, I want to sit down and have a glass of wine." I mean, you could, I'll serve you, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a bar. Like that's not what we're about. We're a wine making club. We're a membership. We're you know a growing community of people who want to be a part of this kind of hobby, this kind of tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the bar scene to me is not the kind of scene you want to have, especially with what's going on out east. You know, wineries are getting in tons of trouble with their local residents about what you kind of ruckus they're causing. Careful. You know, and so I was it Pindar or Vineyard 48? I don't know if it was Vineyard 48 got in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, I don't want to have that kind of location. I don't want to become rowdy. I want to have... Uh, a, a, a place where when people come, they don't know who they're going to see. They might meet somebody awesome, interesting, and it's it's a camaraderie amongst like-minded people. Have you ever had somebody meet somebody they they're dating here? Interesting. I I can't answer whether or not people have met here and gone on to date. Uh huh. I I, could, I don't know that I would know or that I would put those two pieces together. Um, I feel like this is a. I mean, I don't I've know how many people, people come in. I've but. had people come and start the winemaking process as a couple, and then only one person comes to bottle the wine. Oh, <laughs> that happens a lot. Shit. You know, when you get a little too ahead of yourself, you're like, "Oh, I'm really into this chick. We're gonna go make wine together, and then 11 months we're gonna go bottle it." And then usually the guy just comes and be like, "Yeah, that chick's gone." Oh, <laughs> you know, sometimes God. You know, sometimes you get excited, right? You want it to work out. It doesn't work out. It is what it is. Hey, whatever. So I guess I've had that happen. Um, we do a <laughs> lot of wedding barrels, so I do have a lot oh, of. Oh, that's cool. I do have a lot of newly engaged couples. Thankfully, none of them have broken up during the process of making wine. That, <laughs> that come and they'll make a barrel of wine and they'll put their own private labels on the bottles. You yeah. know, picture them for their of engagement course. photos or whatever they want to do. The date of their or the date of their wedding and whatnot, and they give that bottle of wine as a favor to everybody that comes mm-hmm. to their wedding. That's a hell so of a gift. So they handmade, they took 11 months to make a handmade barrel of wine for their for their guests. And that to me is like a, a cool wedding gift. So as opposed to just buying some kind of favor at some shop. And, yeah. You know, so, so a handmade barrel of wine is a cool wedding favor that we've been doing for years and that we do many of every year. And so that, yeah, that's... Yeah, 250 a, ba- bottles out of the... So right. So, that's what, so they end up... So that's... For most weddings, more than enough to give everybody a bottle and then still have a bunch of bottles to enjoy for a couple of years. Yeah. So then, so that's what I think they do. And they ha- we have commemorative bottles. Like there's a bottle right behind you over there. It's a that's a nine liter that big bottle right I was there. Say, that's a big ass bottle. That's nine liters. That holds a case of wine. Twelve bottles of wine go into that. And they sandblast. Drink that shit in a night. Yeah, they they create a logo (laughs) and they sandblast their logo into the bottle. bottle. Really? Yeah, the bottle looks sick. You know, and hopefully they put it on their mantelpiece and that's a showpiece for years and years and years. You know, so that's a dope. That's a better be empty uh, though. Wedding gift. They didn't empty it. That's a problem. Uh, What I tell them to do is to let it sit for a year or two. Oh really? Oh yeah, let it age a little bit so they can in the bottle. In the bottle. Does that change the flavor? Oh yeah, aging is important uh, because uh, the cork uh, does. Uh, transfer oxygen very slowly. So it's like a micro-oxygenation process. Uh So think about when you pour a glass of wine. They tell you to swirl it, right? They tell you to get oxygen into it and open it up. So what you do in your glass while you're swirling it over the course of a couple minutes, Mm -hmm. a cork is doing through micro-oxygenation over the course of months and years. So the longer you age wine, the more advanced it's becoming as if you were swirling it in your cup. Mm. So yeah, so I tell people to to let that uh, 12-bottle... You store that thing on the side or straight up? Um, if you're going to just do a year, straight up is fine. But if you're going to store it for a couple of years, yeah. on its side is good. You want to yeah. keep that cork keep, wet and yep. expanded. But what I tell them to do is then throw a two-year anniversary party, a three-year anniversary party, and then break that shit open and drink it. Yeah. You know, that's 12. Have two people pour it because it's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's yeah like you don't want to drop that. Yeah. It's a 50-pound bottle of wine. Jesus. So you want to pour that slowly. But have a party. 
and then fill it back up with some water and food coloring. Cork it back up. That, that shit Cheat is, a little. Hell yeah. And keep it on your mantelpiece because that thing looks awesome. You don't throw it out. That thing looks great. You no, want to absolutely. You and let it look good. That's cool, yeah, man. So that's a cool little piece. And people buy that as gifts for other people or for their own weddings. There's there's a lot of different ways that we Damn, put that out. Yeah. bottles on that thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. cool. Yeah. Yeah, we got a, cool, uh, a bunch of little gifts like that that you can uh, give to people. So it's uh, it's a fun little thing. That is. The gift baskets. We're going to be doing gift baskets. Soon. There you go. That's been a, what is that spoon? Uh, that's that. Uh, there's a fork next to it on the other side. So okay. that's like you know you see people put that in their kitchens, like yeah. on the wall. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So my wife went to some garage sale, bought them, ended up she didn't like it as much as she thought she would. So I was like, all right, bring it to the winery. Why not? A lot of the things in the winery are my wife bought it at a garage sale. She decided she doesn't like it anymore. That's and where you get the golden gems, man. It's a food-related thing, and yeah. I, I bring stuff over here. I incorporate things, you know. So we're fun. We're fun. We, you know, me and you were sitting at a barrel of wine, at a, at a used barrel of wine that had five years worth of wine. Can you reuse these? Uh, I had you reuse them five times. Now it's empty. And after five years, it's after done. After five years, it could still be used to hold wine the same way a plastic tank or a stainless steel tank holds wine. Okay. But it doesn't really give any more wood flavor anymore. Like the gotcha. wood has been used up. And so when I use them up, I, I sometimes I sell them off to people. People come by empty barrels. They, they do... Uh, DIY projects in their house. What do you charge for a barrel? Like 100 bucks. Empty... 100 bucks. Empty barrel of wine. 100 bucks. People, I can't even hold on to them long enough. I was going to say for $100, that's pretty, oh, that's a great deal. great. I have a list that I need to satisfy. Of people that are like, <laughs> I don't care if it takes two years. They're like, put me on your list. They want them. Yeah. Because I don't put these barrels outside. You know, if you ever go out to the wineries out east, they're beat up. All these bar- they're weathered. They're gray. They're like, all right, the, the best. No, this gonna, is a fresh looking bottle. The best that you're gonna do with that is cut it in half and throw a plant uh-huh. in it, and you got an outside plant. This thing is still blonde. You know, the grain of the yep. wood is still very visible. Now, where do the you get these things from? The wine stains are on it. A lot of barrels. From the, France. The original. Or? So I do have some French oak barrels. I have a lot of American oak barrels. What's the difference? And the big difference. Uh, forget cost, because the cost difference is the Tremendous. French oak barrels are three, four, five times the cost of American oak barrels. But uh, the French oak barrels are, uh, the wood is sun-dried out in fields. So okay. the sun, it's like seasoning firewood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They season this wood and they just leave it out in fields for years and years and years before they actually make the barrel out of it. Uh-huh. And that's why French oak barrels are so expensive is because that flavor that it gives it to the wine so is long. extremely unique and takes so long. Whereas an American oak barrel, like true American-made things, we figured out how to do things you of know course. that other people do in over years. We do it in two in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> we make a barrel of wine over a fire pit and we char it and and we yep. and we pump it out. And most American-made barrels came out of uh, Kentucky for years and years and years, where they make barrels for bourbon and, yeah. and uh, that kind of making. Um, but since the um, explosion of the winery industry out in California, there's a lot of barrel makers, what are called coopers, um, <laughs> are made are in California now, San Francisco. Same kind of Napa style. Area. I've seen them make the it. It's bend, pretty bending interesting. Bending of the wood. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, it's very cool. Soaking it and uh, it's all a that. it's a, um, another dying art. Is handmade cooping barrels is very cool process. Uh, it's um, probably just not profitable enough. That's the problem. Tough business to be in, right? You're right, exactly. You, know, you got to uh, produce quantity. You got to do another volume business, but a really cool hobby style business to get into. You know what I mean? People do that for a hobby. Uh, no, the, oh. the 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 person who's running that business. Uh-huh. You, when I say a hobby. You don't do it because you're making money. You do it because that's what you know how to do and that's what you love to do. Yeah. That's the kind of business you run. 
Uh, because gotcha. when you go to work every day and you're doing your hobby, yeah. like I can proudly say about myself, yeah, I, I don't feel like I work here. Yeah, I come here and and uh, you know having you in here is a joy and and bullshitting and talking about oh, my business you. is great. Yeah, it's a hobby for me. Uh-huh. Uh, making wine is a hobby for me, so I don't feel like I I own a job or or work. I, I, I uh, interact with people on a daily basis, and uh, it's fun for me. Right. Do you so, do any private bottles for yourself? You know, like, I guess holidays come, and you're like, hey, wine you design, Vincenzo. So, I'm, I'm, the jury's out on whether or not I want to do that. Um, you know, having my own Thank brand you. of wine yeah. is uh, not something I ever really... It'll probably happen, if I'm being quite honest, but... I never really wanted to compete with the big one. You really, at that point, you got to compete yeah, with yeah. price point and this and that. And, no, and, don't compete with them. Just say, hey, you know, yeah, it's this my wine. Like, this is what it costs. Yep. <laughs> and maybe that's what's going to happen. But I currently don't because I really, truly believe in this whole private label thing and people doing it for their own. But yeah, eventually, uh, I can easily... Yeah, Christmas time, uh, you hand out, happen. you know. Yeah. Oh, well, listen, at Christmas time... I hand out bottles of wine. Oh, I mean, yeah. Did you make them though? That's that the I question. made. Yeah. Oh, okay. that oh, made. oh, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Okay. But I don't necessarily put a label on it that says Vincenzo or Wine and Design. Yeah. I give them a bottle of wine and it has no label on it. Oh. And that's a cool guy. House wine. That's it. But it's not house wine. It's good quality wine. You know. And, and I know what you meant. Yeah. But I hate the term house wine because when you go to a restaurant, and you're like, let oh. me get the house wine. It's like, let me get the cheapest glass of wine. You mm. got the no, 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 no. That's not what this is. That's not. That's not. Hey, that's not the wine I make, and that's not the uh, the connotation I want to put across. So when I go to a restaurant because I want to interest them in private label wine, I'm like, listen, I don't want to be your house wine. Yeah. I don't want to be your six dollar bottle wine because, yeah. quite frankly, you can't afford my wine. Then yeah. I, I'm a better. I make a better quality wine. I yeah, buy yeah. really good grapes so uh-huh. that I can make a good quality wine. Of course, super so, important. So um, you know, I don't want to be considered your house wine. I want to be considered your private label wine because yeah. you took enough time to make something for your uh, for your client base that is a better quality wine. That's a uh, hell of a market. Yeah, no, have that, restaurateurs come in here yeah, and say, sure, but, hey, you know, the chef and the owner and a handful of execs get to come in, make a barrel of wine. Your lips to God's ears because let me tell you something. Not every restaurateur cares about what they're putting into their customers' mouths. Okay? Um, Kills me to hear that. It does. It's unfortunate because... They can get a bottle of wine for four bucks. A bottle. I know, I know. I, try, I work in the industry. I know. I know it's, it's out there. It blows my mind yep. that they'll still do that. Um, but unfortunately, the and this is where my business comes around again. So educating people on what it is that they like so that they can navigate a wine list or navigate the type of wine that a caterer is going to provide for them when they're throwing a party for their family. Is an important tool to give people because yeah. they're the ones, the customers who go and and are are you know okaying, are signing off on this wine. They're the ones that we need to change the restaurant world. Yeah, we need to make them accountable to give us better wine, and only they can make then mm-hmm. the wineries accountable yeah. for making a better product wine. Yeah, so you know that that's yeah. The market also needs to demand. Yeah, I don't know if I'm the guy that's going to get that message across. I don't think I have a billion dollars to do that. That's yeah. that's an expensive public service announcement. But um, you know, a little bit at a time, in my own way, in my own community, I'm, I'm getting that message across to people, and they're becoming better wine buyers for it. Yeah. That, no, that's, absolutely. That's a great thing. You know, and if, if you can get the local, you know, the, the local chop house and or the steakhouse, yes. you can get the local. Yes. You know, even if it's a pub. Yeah. Hey guys. And the chefs are into it because the yeah. chef, the chefs are usually more 
holistic about you know what they're serving and pairing yes. and things like that big time you know you got to get the owner to sign off on an expense but the chef wants to do it but they and can make money huh? there's plenty of money yeah, to, be there's made. to be made people are buying glasses of wine for 15 bucks again and i hate to say it but it's true they don't really know the difference between a 15 dollars glass a 10 dollars glass and a 40 dollars glass like there's a difference but mm-hmm. do you really know it either tastes good or it doesn't yeah. Right. So at the end of the day, you're willing to pay for it if it tastes good. Mm-hmm. So there's room for more quality product. Uh, the restaurateurs need to get on board with that. They need yeah. to stop thinking about, oh, I could buy this for four. So if I sell the glass for eight, I'm really making out. Yeah, but that person is comfortable paying twelve if the shit's good. Yeah. So just go the better way. I know. And they'll come back. Yep. You know, so you got them for eight dollar glass. Good for you. Are they coming back next week? They thought the wine sucked. They're not coming back. Yep. So let's get better wine into these people and you pre- create your own repeat business. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I think, a tremendously untapped market. And I think that, you know, there's, it's, it's just such a passion filled and love filled industry. Like you can't, you know, Joe Schmo, who has, doesn't care at all, is not coming in here and saying, Oh, I want to make a cask of wine today, or yeah. a barrel of wine today. It's a uh, cask or barrel? Barrel. Barrel. You can say cask, I guess. Uh, it's not a word that I've ever used. I think cask is more probably, uh, yeah, yeah. you're thinking like that, right? Um, you know, let me make a barrel of wine today. Like, that's, that's you know, you got to get somebody who, like, loves it. Either they did it as a kid, they it was passed down generations, they taught, they're dating a girl who's into it, you know, right. they want to learn about the right. art. Um, and stuff like that. But I, I have one more question for you because we're, we're already crushing an hour and 15. Nice. What are those glass five-gallon jars for right there? Because I have one that I keep my change in. Ah, nice. And it's that exact one. Glass. You glass. keep your change in the glass one? Yes. What are you going to do when you need to get that change out? I just flip it upside down <laughs> and shake the shit out of it. But nice. I've never, ever seen somebody because I used to have them in the... Poland Spring uh, three-quart bottles. Yeah. Right. Then I converted it into a plastic one. And then my one buddy was like, dude, my mom was cleaning out my basement. I thought of you because I know you keep your change in this right. thing. And I was like, cool. And I've never, ever seen another glass one in my life. Really? Never. Come on. No. Right. So now I've seen like glass holders. I've seen vases being used. Yeah. But I've never seen a that glass style. version of the Poland Spring bottle. That yeah, you, the okay. five-gallon one. Okay. And that's what that is. That's yeah. called a, that, so that's called a uh, – technically that's called a carboy. Okay. Carboy. Any bigger than that becomes called a demijohn. Anybody who uh, ferments or makes wine or beer in their basement has mm. that in their basement. Okay. Okay. And wine and beer. Wine and or beer. Because okay. usually you, you, you're usually a fan of one and not the other for whatever reason when it comes to fermenting it yeah. on your own in your home. Um, but that is a vessel for holding wine when it's or beer when it's topped up to the top. Mm-hmm. And you put a cap on it mm-hmm. and you age wine in that carboy. So when you're a home winemaker, the likelihood is you're making types of wine in five gallons at a time. Okay, Five gallons is about... 26, 28 bottles of wine, let's say. Gotcha. For the random guy making wine at home, and he'll, he'll have multiple kinds of those. He'll make yeah. one Sangiovese, he'll make one Merlot, he'll make one blend, whatever. You know, 
that's enough. And they'll have those in their basements, and that's where they'll store the wine. When it's when he runs out of his bottled wine, mm-hmm. he'll then put that into bottles, and then he'll and, and that two cases of wine will last him so long, and then he'll do another one. So that's a that's a uh, home winemaker's way. I don't really use those here. They're kind of here more for show. Yeah, of I course. take them out of my dad's basement because he doesn't <laughs> make wine anymore. Um, you know the. Uh, as, as they get older, they stop making wine. It just becomes very cumbersome and it's, and it's annoying. So I've taken these old wine-making tools and accessories out of his basement to kind of show off at my place because people okay. like seeing Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, so, so that's what it is. It, it's called a carboy, and it's uh, what most home winemakers will store their wine in. Interesting. But apparently now Why, but clear? our generation is keeping uh, coins in it. <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah I just clear. assumed that it was like... I figured it was probably for fermenting. Right, My initial right. thought was beer. Right. Um, and but his family wasn't much of a wasn't much drinker, right, so I was right. like, maybe it's not for beer. And I've never actually right, seen right, it. Right. I've ne- and I Google everything. I've never really cared to Google it, so. I've just had it, and now I just put my change in it, and right. I was like, "This is there's got to be something for this," but I really don't know what it's for. Right, right. And I saw the two of them sitting there, and I'm like, "This is something. This is <laughs> all right. So, that, so, now I'm figuring it right. out." It's so little, it's clear, actually, because uh, you'll age wine in that thing. Let's say you age wine in there for six months, seven months, eight months, longer, whatever. Over the course of that aging. Uh, the floating particles, the sediment in a wine will float down to the bottom. Gravity will pull it down and it'll pack in and make a layer of muck at the bottom. And so what the winemaker wants to do when it's time to bottle that is he wants to pull all the wine off the top of that muck without disturbing the Uh muck. And so it's clear so that you can see that. Uh, so so that's uh, you know, and there's other ones that aren't clear, but you know, that's that's the very traditional looking I gotcha. Wow pieces finally all come together right wow now you know what that thing is that you've been putting money into by the way how much money do you think you got in that thing I actually dimes nickels yeah I I emptied it out the other day and I got about 350 bucks nice was it full halfway full it was I, only I about got, two inches full. About two inches full? Yeah. Wow. But the I, thing was heavy as shit. I, heavy as shit, because I have a five-gallon Poland spring bottle, plastic one, at my house that I put all my change into, and that thing's pushing 60% full. So yeah, so there's probably... probably five, 600, 700 bucks in That's it. a nice... Oh, that's more cool. than that. You probably yeah? got... You know, oh. that's probably enough for you and the wife to go away for a week. Oh, sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to break into that when things get really bad over here. <laughs> I'm going to break into that little piggy bank. So that, you know, I like to show my daughter that I, I put uh, my money in. All my change always goes into that thing, and she has a little Crayola thing hang, hanging up in the corner of her yeah. playroom. And every once in a while, I'll throw her a couple of coins just to get her associated with money. And I say, "Go put this in your bank," you know. And she's got a nice bank going too, in her little four foot tall Crayola bank. So hey, whatever, man. It's just throwing on. the change. It's crazy. But what's crazy too is, I used to be, I used to work full time as a waiter and bartender, so I always had. I always had cash on me and because I was a cash on me I'd always have change on me right. so that thing filled up very quickly yeah. and then over the last two years I've no, I've spent significantly less time in the industry and I had a full time job working behind a desk and stuff right. like that where I really didn't carry any cash right. now, actually getting paid by check yeah now it's car you know <laughs> direct deposit and card that's right. it like I don't right. even see the money right. at this right. point right. you know who carries money anyway yeah and and I'm like, all right, now I'm slowly filling it back up again. And I'm just like, this shit's taking a lot longer than it used to. I'm saying that for free. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> I went to LaGuardia Community College the other night for a, for a, a, an event, a networking event that I went to. And oh, I had cool. to go park in the lot over there. And the guy's like, five bucks, cash, no card. I'm like, cash? 
I had a dollar on me. I'm like, fuck. I don't, I, I don't know how to get cash. I, haven't, I don't go to ATMs, yeah. really, if I'm being quite honest. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know how to give this guy fucking $5 cash. I, I got go, screwed in the ATM on Friday. ATM, yeah. the, uh, they had a skimmer. They stole my card number. No shit. Yep. I, thank God I didn't have much money in the account. No they good. stole like a couple hundred yeah, bucks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm like, and I live all the way out east. And I'm like, uh, Hempstead, Hempstead, like liquor store. Right, right. Liquor store in Hempstead, liquor right. store in Hempstead, liquor store in Hempstead. Yeah. The wings and things, which yeah, I know yeah. we don't have one near us. <laughs> You're like, like, this is no good. Another liquor store. Right. And I'm like, this dude's racking it up. I'm sitting down with the lady. I'm like, yeah, you know, my thick card was stolen, whatever. And she's like, did you have it on you all day? I was like, I was on a fishing boat. Of course right. I had it on right, me all right, day. Right, right. Like, I just couldn't even look at my account for to like, oh, transaction, transaction, right, transaction. Right, right. And because uh, where I was, I really didn't have any service. And then I went to go buy breakfast the next morning. And uh, it was decline. I'm like, decline. I'm like, I know there's money on there. Like, how's it decline? Like, all right, whatever. You know, I use my other card. And uh, I look down and I'm like, these are all way far away from my house. I knew yeah, I wasn't anywhere near this. Is like, you know. It's a good thing for if you're dealing with a good bank. And I assume you are. It's a good thing we have fraud protection services. I, I would hope that you weren't responsible for any of this. No, the, thank, right. thankfully exactly. they're refunding me the whole thing. But it was just like the, late, the little lady behind the counter. She's like, well, they really like their liquor stores. So I was yeah. like, look, whatever. Right. A know? little part of you wishes uh, 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 the guy could have had a better time. Yes. No. At the end yeah. of the day, you're not responsible for it. Yep. You know, he really, what are you going to wings and things? Oh, you really got yeah. a hold of me, guy. Yep. You know, yep. Go do something good with that shit. Yep. Go, yes. Go skydive. <laughs> do something fun. Don't, you know, really? 50 bucks Come here, on. 50 bucks so, here. 50 so bucks short-sighted. So yeah. simple mind. Simple mind. You got you to gotta be more creative. Yeah. You can go through the trouble of stealing something. Spend that shit card. better. That's your fucking game plan? <laughs> wings and things? Come on. That's it, man. That's it. We just crushed an hour and 25 Nice. A bottle of wine, too? It felt like nothing. It felt like two minutes. That's it, man. Yeah. That's it. Any uh, final words? How did they find it? I wouldn't give out a phone number. I was, I was be weary of that. Or, uh, But if, you know, obviously tell everybody a little bit. Well, final, final words is, uh, yo, thank you so much for, for having me on this podcast. Um, if you're a wine lover or a lover of tradition I say, and you're listening to this podcast, I say check me out at WineUDesign.com, W-I-N-E, the letter U, design.com, uh, and, uh, or Instagram or Facebook or whatever, at WineUDesign, everything, and check out what we're all about. And we're the first winery ever in Nassau County, and if you're into this kind of thing, come check me out, have a glass of wine with me, I'll tell you how we can have some fun together. I'll leave my message like that. I like it. That's awesome, man. Dude, thanks so much for uh, taking, taking some time out of your day to hang out with me. My pleasure. All right, guys, until the next one. Later, people. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. Uh, really do appreciate everybody that's been supporting it nonstop. Um, you know, especially the day oneers. I do really, really uh, appreciate that you guys are listening and, and tuning in. And I'm constantly trying to bring you guys better uh, better conversations. And I think I've I've been doing so good so far on my end. Uh, BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. You can follow it all there, all the social. Um, like I said, if you haven't already smash that subscribe button i'm just gonna constantly bring you guys good entertainment and uh it's very unique and uncut it's not polished and we're going over it 10 times to get it right the first time you know no this is a, this is a long format episode it's something very different than most people are doing on the market and uh you know i'm getting 
people that everybody can meet. It's not like I'm getting these superstar celebrities that nobody will ever have access to. You know, I don't really care about those people. I care about people that people can actually meet and have really good conversations with. So that's my favorite. That's one of my favorite things about this show. But uh, I love you guys. Thank you guys so much for, for continuing and supporting the uh, channel and the show. It really does mean a lot to me. And there's a lot of good things to come. John and I have been working crazy in the office, uh, nonstop, trying to get this thing ready for a whole bunch of different projects we want to work on and whatnot. But uh, until then, guys, I love you. I'll see you guys later.